Welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast with me, Natasha Collins, property investor, chartered surveyor, and CEO of NC Real Estate, my boutique firm of surveyors, which specializes in helping investors make money from commercial and mixed-use properties in the UK through our asset management services. Want to find out more? Head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. Hello, how's it going this week? I hope it's going really well. I just want to say before I get into the full thing of this podcast, I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon in suburbia and it means that everybody's got their leaf blowers out because it's a nice day but it's not too hot. So if you hear leaf blowers in the background, I apologise. That's just what everybody seems to do on a Friday. I can't really say anything about it because I have a leaf blower too. (laughs) So sometimes I get my leaf blower out. And also we're having, the back garden is having the awning put in over the pool. We're having a sail put in. So we're obviously making noise too. So I can't really say anything. Um, But I thought I would, uh, if you can hear something in the background, that's probably what it is. Even though I try and keep this room as soundproof as possible, it's not always that easy. Oh, it's been a bit of a week. I have got Harry with a streaming cold. Bless him, his little eyes are running and his little nose is running and just everything is puffy. It's that time of year where everything's going round. So I thought, because obviously I'm going to go down with a cold at some point, if I don't, it's just the 100 ounces of water that I drink a day and all the vitamins that I take and maybe... (laughs) Maybe I won't get it, but I did think, record this podcast earlier rather than later because chances are by the end of the weekend, I will have a cold. So I didn't want to come on here and be coughing and spluttering like my boy. Thank you, everybody who has got in contact with me to say that you loved the podcast last week. I really appreciate it. And those of you who have been helping me with my reading list for the year, I absolutely love that you've reached out to me and let me know what I should be reading. I'm going to do a bit of a book review because last night I finished the first book on my reading list. But let me tell you now what I've got on the reading list so that if anybody else wants to reach out and let me know, I still need more books for this reading list. I love recommendations. So The next book that I'm reading is Spare by Prince Harry. I have to get in on the discourse. Unfortunately, I have been influenced. So there we go. Then in no particular order, I've got Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh, My mother-in-law, Jill, has been on at me about reading this for ages. My mum said to me that I'd have nightmares about it. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm anything sad and I do get really bad nightmares. I'm that sort of a person. So whilst I was pregnant and hormonal, hormonal, my mom's like, stay away from it. But I'm going to read it this year. It's on my list of things to do. Chris's great aunt before she died was reading this as well. And she said it was incredible. So yes, I have to read it. Uh, Binod, you recommended It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin definitely on my reading list. Naomi, you suggested 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by 
Oliver Berkman. So that's now on my list. I have got Girl on Fire by Cara Olwell. The Self-Love Experiment by Shannon Kaiser. Kaiser. Um, when Women Lead, Julia Borston. And Manifest, Step Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life by Roxy Nafosi. So those that's on my list at the moment. If you have anything else that you recommend, then please let me know. Um, I did have a few other books that I haven't put on my reading list. There were some um, which delved into depression and suicide. And around that, it just wouldn't be good for me to read those kind of things, unfortunately. Maybe one day I will. Um, thank you for those recommendations, but it's not for me right now. Um, but I get why people would want to read them. They're, they're really interesting and I get it. There's a lot of research there. Um, I'm just always worried about going down the wrong rabbit hole. I want things that are going to lift me up this year. Um, and I'm always a little bit worried on that anxiety scale of maybe there might be something really triggering for my anxiety and it could be anything that sets that off. Um, and as I said, I do get really bad nightmares and that can trigger things. I've always had that since I was really young. And it's just because I get these most vivid dreams and nightmares. Anyway, that's uh, that's into my uh, my <laughs> mental state. But thank you. Keep the recommendations coming. I'm so excited to read them all this year. As I said, I have just finished Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And Chris bought this for me for Christmas. And he said that everybody at Meta recommended that I read it. I really enjoyed it. It was a quite an easy book to get through. Um, key points that I took away from it is relationships are key when building a business and building a team. If you don't have the relationships, people aren't going to feel safe and you need to build that circle of safety. You need to think about the fact that it's not good to have your team on tenterhooks and not have any trust in you that you're going to look after them. And the same you want to have trust in your team that they're going to look after you. I like the case studies throughout the book that it was important to put your team first. It's something that I have always, always enacted anyway. That's been part of the morals of how I run teams and always run teams. I make sure that I look after my team regardless. They are the most important people to me. They they help. They just love the company you know and if they love the company like I well not like I love the company it's like my baby but you know if they love working or they enjoy it I'm not saying that work has to be the be all and end all I know that then they really thrive and flourish and I don't want people thinking that if there is a mistake made or something doesn't go right they are on the path to performance reviews or disciplinaries or being fired. That's not how it works, especially in the property industry. Yeah, if something terrible happens to somebody because of negligence, that might that will be an issue. But as a general rule of thumb, property doesn't always work out. And so that's not a fireable offense. <laughs> if things go wrong, I'm going to look after my team. And, the, and you know, the buck stops with me in my company. 
I choose who to hire, I choose who to trust, I do the training ultimately and the training filters down if I have to question whether I have done my job properly first. And that's really important. So I love the reinforcement of that. And then looking at how Costco run their business versus how GE run their business and how Costco didn't pay people minimum wage, they paid people way above minimum wage and gave them health insurance and benefits to help support their families and how whilst their growth wasn't huge to start off with, they continuously grew. Whereas GE were very much, you know, they'd fire the the bottom 10% of performers every year. And that created a business of fear and teams didn't like each other. Teams were always in fear and they, they were competing against each other rather than working together. And so you would see spe- uh, peaks in revenue and troughs in revenue. And that was because of the environment that was built. So I really love the doubling down on create a great environment and your team will flourish, your business will flourish, your clients will flourish and everybody will succeed. Yeah, it may may take a bit longer, but my gosh, isn't that what you want to foster? So I thought it was an excellent book for that reason. I liked all the theory that was behind it. It's a bit repetitive throughout the book and for that I would probably give it around four stars. But if you are a leader or a manager, definitely Leaders Eat Last is the book for you. It really is the book for you. So definitely pick that up. Um, Yeah, great read. Great starts of the year. Loved book number one. I'm going to put that review and writing on my Instagram page um, at Natasha C. Collins. So if you want to read that again, head on over there. My personal Instagram is more for just everything that I'm doing. I don't really care about likes or engagement. I just like sharing stuff. Um, <laughs> so from that point of view, you know, come over and see what I'm doing. It's more family stuff, personal stuff, all that kind of stuff. But in anything NC Real Estate, that's at NC Real Estate Limited. And that is a very active page. So definitely go over there and see all of that. So amazing. Love the fact I've had time to read a book. This uh, these last couple of weeks. Fabulous. Can't wait to start spare though. So I'll let you know how that goes. I also wanted to share some updates that I have learned in terms of leasehold property and Airbnb. So for those of you that were listening last week, you will have known that we started litigation on one of my flats Um, and I just wanted control over the freehold mainly because it's taken two years to sort a leak and the flat is leaking like a sieve and the freeholder still won't fix the roof, although they tell me it's very simple. They then came back and said, uh, we want damages because you're using the flat as an Airbnb and we didn't give you written permission. Now, it transpires that they just shouldn't be giving us permission at all. It doesn't matter. I have a lease that doesn't say anything that prohibits subletting and I am allowed to let it out to whoever I want, providing they are a single family. Although, how do you prove that they are not? Because you are letting to one person at a time. So I have had legal guidance 
and also from a leasehold surveyor who has said the freeholder doesn't have a leg to stand on. So interesting for me, I didn't actually know what the clauses were which prohibited letting as a short-term rental, but it's that subletting clause um, that is really important. So if you don't have a... Uh, if you don't have that clause in your lease, so anything that prohibits subletting, then, you know, that should be okay. Again, make sure that you get a solicitor to read your lease. But yeah, I just had to double down on that because I thought it was okay. But obviously when these things come back up, you start to doubt yourself a little bit. And I was doubting myself. But anyway, that has meant that we just go back to Freeholder and say, what are you talking about? You're just clutching at straws here to try and throw something back at us. So that is where I am with that. That is ongoing. I'm trying to buy the Freehold at the moment. There is now a lot going on in terms of dealing with solicitors and the freeholder. I am not going to get into the nitty gritty until it's over just because I don't want to prejudice my position for any reason. So from that point of view, I'll keep double, if I've got any learning points, I'll come and share them with you. If I uh pick up anything else or when it's over I will share everything with you and let you know exactly what has happened there it's just lengthy right going back through all your files looking at all of the notes that have been sent around that is why I never delete emails never delete emails keep them from as far back as you could muster have just so that you can go back through them I'm good at filing on my inbox. Everything has a folder. And from that point of view, it means that I can always go back and see what happened because I'm very good at remembering things, but sometimes it's not quite how I thought it would be. Anyway, um, that is my tip of advice here if, because you never know when it's going to help you out in the future. Now, the main topic that I wanted to cover today was the anatomy of an offer. This week, I have been putting in a lot of offers for my clients. We've got a lot of properties out there. And it's really important that you get offers right so that you're taken seriously. So you're going to be doing your due, your due diligence and your deal analysis, and that's going to get you to where you should be offering. If you have got that information, you have got a backup for if they come back to you and say, well, how did you get to that price? Because that is ultimately what you are negotiating on. You're negotiating on the valuation or how you got to the value um, of what that property is worth to you. That's it, it's worth. So it's important that you don't just put in offers without thinking about it. And what you may be able to offer is very different to what somebody else may be wanting to offer. And that's because you're going to use buildings in a different way. I wouldn't think about what other people are going to be offering. Unless you're in a best bid situation, you're desperate for the building. 
and then you might want to think about it. But at the same time, you cannot control what somebody else does. You cannot control what somebody else wants to do with the building. And that's really vital that you remember that. So stay in your lane. So by the time you put in an offer, you will probably have been to see the property. You will have collected as much information about the property as you possibly could. You have then come to a deal analysis as to what that property is worth to you. For those of you in the members club, you will have access to getting to grips with commercial. Um, and for those of you that have bought it separately, you will have access to getting to grips with commercial. That goes through how to do a correct deal analysis with all of the steps that we take at NC Real Estate to get to putting in that offer and where we should be offering. So please make sure that you go back through and have a look at that. So when we start putting together an offer, I like to put it on headed paper and make sure that it's formally addressed to the agent who is acting on behalf of the seller. That's really, really important. And then the offer has multiple parts in it. The first one is who is purchasing. There's multiple different entities that could be purchasing. You could be purchasing in your own name, limited company, SaaS. You could be purchasing with somebody else. Make it clear who is purchasing this property because that is going to be who the seller ultimately is dealing with. So that is the entity it's being purchased in. Then you also want to deal with the names of the people who are going to be involved in the deal. So for example, I'm Natasha Collins, I'm the asset manager. You're going, if you're, if I'm putting in the offer on behalf of my client, you're dealing with me. And then my client is so-and-so of X pension or so-and-so of X limited company or so-and-so is buying it, right? So make it clear who all the parties are that are going to be in the deal. Then you want to put any conditions of the offer. Is the offer subject to valuation, for example? Are you going to need to get a valuation in order to buy this property? Well, yes, you will be if you're getting a mortgage or lending. If you're buying in your SaaS, your SaaS will require a red book valuation. So yeah, that's that's subject to valuation. And if you are wanting a valuation for any reason, <laughs> you know, subject to valuation. It could also be subject to surveys. If you want any building surveyor to go out after the valuation has, ha the, the offer has been accepted, sorry, or if you want a structural structural engineer to go out, anybody, you want to go out and have a look at the building. Um, if there is mechanical and electrical items in there, so um, elevators, escalators, uh, what else? Large scale heating systems, all of that. Maybe you want a mechanical and electrical uh, engineer or surveyor to go out there and have a look. That might be a survey that you want done you know? So again, that's up to you if you want that to happen or not. It could be subject to X works being done. So you could say this offer is subject to 
I don't know, you finishing off the the EPC works to get the EPC rating down. Subject to the seller getting possession of a certain unit. Subject to... What else? Um, subject to a tenant paying up their arrears. Subject to a lease being agreed. Anything. It can be subject to anything. But you want to list that out within your offer. You then want to specify what your offer is. I'm offering £400,000 plus VAT, not including VAT. Whatever you're offering, state it. Be really clear with it. You potentially want to show proof of funds. An agent may ask you to show proof of funds when putting in an offer. If they specifically do that, you're going to have to show proof of funds and proof of a mortgage offer. Or you can say proof of funds available on request. So if they come back and accept the offer, you can then show them those proof of funds. And again, that is based upon the individual agent. At that point, they also might want to do anti-money laundering checks. So they might want to confirm the photo ID of any directors in the company, any people who hold the pensions um, and uh, a utility bill usually is what they will need there. Then when do you aim to exchange on contracts? When are you hoping to do that by? And that's you asking your solicitor, how long do you think it will take if we go under offer on X date for us to be able to exchange? I think that's a reasonable thing to put in an offer nowadays because the seller then knows how quickly you are willing to move, but it also shows that you're planning. Because a solicitor, solicitor can tell you how long searches are likely to take in that area, and also they can advise on their timescales and what they can do within their means. So that way, you are letting everybody know what is going on. You then need to say if you are looking for approval from anybody else, it might be that your SAS administrators need to approve it, it may be that you've got other directors who need to approve X, Y and Z. Usually that's where we've got bigger portfolios uh, who have got multiple people signing off on things. Um, we don't very often have approvals that we need to get for smaller offers. And then who are the solicitors? If the offer is accepted, who does the, which solicitors are the heads of terms going to? So that that process can start straight away. So once you've covered all of that information, you might also want to give a bit of a mission statement about yourself within the letter. You might want to say, we are or I am an investor who is on a mission to do X, Y, and Z. So I am an investor who is looking to build a portfolio of commercial properties with multiple units in it. I want to grow that property. I want to look after my tenants. I want to keep it as a commercial building with X amount of units in it. Whatever you want to do, just give two sentences about it because that may be something that sways the seller. Again, you don't know what anybody else is going to offer 
But some sellers are quite sentimental to their buildings. So they might think, actually, it would be really great if you keep it as this or you change it into X, Y, and Z because that's the vision that I've had for it. I'm just not able to do it. Or maybe you are buying off of somebody who has other buildings in the area and they think, oh, this is really going to help me and my other buildings, right? Again, you cannot guarantee that that a seller is going to accept. That's completely up to them. The power is then in their hands to accept whatever offer they want to accept. But you are putting forward your position and they can make an informed decision based upon what you are saying. Then you can say, something like finish it off we are looking forward to hearing from you that this offer is accepted all the best or kind regards or whatever it is that you want to put your name signed right that is the first letter that goes in if it's a best bid situation that's it you're done you will either get told the offer is accepted or they're going to come back to you and say no the offer isn't accepted right there you go that's that but where you're just putting forward that offer probably the agent is going to come back and try and negotiate with you. And that's fine. They're going to come back and say that offer is not acceptable. But unless they give you a figure where they're prepared to negotiate to, do not go back and counter offer. Go back and explain your valuation. Say, this is how I've appraised this deal. This is how I've got to that figure. Where can your client come to? Or explain why your client won't move. Let's get some information from the other side as to actually what they're expecting. Because if they say to you, actually, I want X and I'm not coming any lower and you cannot afford X, you know, all right, fine. Leave my offer on the table, I'm backing off, right? Or they they might say to you, you know what? We understand with these po- of these points, but we don't agree with this. Here is where we're prepared to meet you. Great. That gives an opening offer from them. You might still think, mm, I can't stretch that far. Again, it's up to you and your situation. And you can come back and say, I understand where you're coming from, right? But for me, this building is only worth X and this is the reason why. And so I will come to whatever figure, or maybe you're not moving, present it to them, right? And then they can come back and say yes or no. Usually an offer goes backwards and forwards three, four times before it gets accepted. And look, if they won't negotiate with you at all, that's absolutely fine. A lot of deals at the moment are coming back. So don't have it as a, oh, that's it, I failed. Number one, it's a learning experience. You will have got better at appraising deals. But number two, you never know when that deal comes back to you. And it's great information for if you find another deal in the area, you have pretty much done the work. You can just cross it over to another deal. I think it's great. The more deal appraisals that we do, the more knowledgeable we are. That's how I look at it. The more offers we put in, the more knowledge we get. Everything is learning. 
So I don't know if these offers are going to come back as accepted yet. Again, it's a Friday, haven't heard anything back. But I certainly know that we have put in some great offers and I'm really excited to see what comes of it. And I challenge you to use this podcast to do the same. Go out and offer, offer, put together a really good offer. Feel satisfied that you have done everything within your power to figure out what that building is worth for you. And then you have put your best foot forward. Look, don't go in with, you know, your top, top asking price. You know, always discount, always discount your price a little bit. Fine. But you have to be able to back that up because they're going to ask you that if they don't agree with the price, right? I'd be very shocked if they came back to you on first offer and be like, yeah, fantastic again, unless it's a best bid situation. So give it a go. Let me know how you get on. Again, my email address, natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I want to hear what you're offering on. And if you have those book recommendations, please reach out and let me know. I'm excited to read loads of books this year. All right. Thank you for listening to me today. Cannot wait to catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've loved this pod, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And make sure to leave a five-star review as this makes me so happy and it helps to boost the show and get it out there to more property investors. Finally, if you want to email the pod, you can write to me, natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.